This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. situation. You came close. You came close. Hangings do good. We're doing it our way now. Forget the title. The James Boys. The last living outlaws. Let's get in that truck and go get some of drink.
Place of Nation Wrestling. Welcome to episode number 46 of NWA Crack and Roll. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and we are on our second part of May. Uh, this time frame will cover May 10th through the first part of May 17th. Uh, so before we get started, I would like to introduce my co-host as we go through this. Dr. G, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Doing great. Things are going well, and um, I'm, I love May of uh, 1986. Some good stuff, and if you're not, if you don't love Jim Cornette in this month, boy, uh, you'll never like him. It, yeah, uh, he's definitely hit his. He's definitely hit his peak at this point of time since we started watching him for sure. Kyle McDougall, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for asking, Sean. How are you? I am good. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying watching this make Crockett. The last episode was really, really good. So this is this May watch was a really fun one to look at and go through. So I've been enjoying it. It's has been it's been it's been rather spiffing, as they say, this side of the Atlantic. Rather spiffing to, to watch with crumpets and tea. Mm. Speaking of uh what'd you say, spiffing? Spiffing. Think yes. of the spiffing. Uh how about spiffing Scott Shiflet? Scott. <laughs> oh, I am glad to be here, guys. Uh you know, it felt like we were never gonna get over April eighty six, and the first couple weeks of May of nineteen eighty six is continuing the fire that um that we had seen in April, and I just can't wait to talk about it. All right. So we are gonna jump right in, guys. So uh we'll do the roll call here. So not nothing's changed. Still your world champion Ric Flair, your US champion Magnum TA, your tag team champions Midnight Express. Six-man, the Russians, uh, Mid-Atlantic, the MIA, Black Bart, the national champion, Tully Blanchard, MIA, junior champion, Denny Brown, and the TV champion is Arn Anderson. So we are going to jump right to May 10th, 1986. And our first match takes us to worldwide wrestling. And it is a match between the Midnight Express and Sam Houston and Nelson Royal, who, again, uh, were tag team partners in the Crockett Cup. And they are pretty much a semi-fixture on the Mid-Atlantic show. Um, so it's good to see them in a main event match with the Midnight Express. Um, Dr. G would probably call uh, Royal and Houston probably Team Good Hands. Would that be their title, Dr. G? No, I really like that. Yes, Team Good Hands. All right, Team Good Hands. So Jim introduces uh, his men as mean who don't need women to fight their battles, which I love. Uh, crowd, Mid-Atlantic, nothing hotter than the crowd. Crowd's chanting for rock and roll, which I thought was funny based on where we're at and what we're fe- what the feud is. Uh, crowd loses its shit for Houston beating on Condry, and it's like everything Houston does. Uh, it's just it's crazy. This crowd. Um, and to be fair though, um, I think he's uh, really great as a face as he battles both heels for the hot start, including smacking his ass to tell the Midnight Express to kiss it. Uh, this was really a good, another good syndicated show main. Um, and I would have liked to see Nelson and Sam team more because I think Nelson is kind of like that, you know, senior guy and take Sam under his wing. Um, and they're a really good face team. And I mean, I express sell like a million bucks for them. Um, they are just as great um, as the heel team. And they're just so good. All four end up in the ring and Nelson's thrown outside and Sam takes on both heels by himself. Cornette hits Nelson outside with his racket. The heels beat up Houston inside and then come the James gang who beat up the Midnight Express. Dusty James throws a lasso around. This, this, this is freaking nuts, this angle right here. Dusty James throws a lasso around Cornette's neck, goes outside with him and carries him to the back. David Crockett follows him to the outside, and Dusty gets into the back of a truck while holding on to rope. And then uh, T.A. James lays Cornette on the ground. Baby Doll is driving, and the Midnight Express run to the rope and get, get before the truck dries off. They were going to actually freaking drag Cornette. The, track then backs, the truck then backs up towards the Midnight Express, and they grab Cornette and run back inside. The boys get out of the truck, and Dave asks them what they are doing. T.A. Uh, James says 
this is an old world solution to a problem. I really don't know. I kind of know what he's talking about that, but I really don't think it holds up very well. Uh, says this is the only beginning. We are taking action. Dusty says Cornette on TV took a racket to a lady's stomach and not thinking of the consequences. Says never expected the outlaws to have their own brand of misery. Uh, tells David Crockett to go inside and uh, tell them that they are looking for it. Tell Cornette they are looking for him. And that's all you need to know. Hanging is too good, and it's not about the titles. Uh, the match, I thought, was great, uh, but really, really short. Uh, but this is more of an angle. And again, another layer added to this feud that we've been talking about now for the last few episodes. So incredible. So I went three stars all in uh, for what little of the match we saw in the angle itself. Dr. G, what did you think of this? I went three stars as well. I enjoyed this. This is like one of those old school southern angles. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, that doesn't hold up very well when he says, oh, this, you know, old school justice. I was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that, but okay. That doesn't <laughs> do well, but, but in terms of, uh, you know, the way they execute it, yes. I mean, it, 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 you know, in those days, you're like, wow, they really did that stuff. You know, like it just, they, yes. they, they, if you put yourself in that, that time, you're like, wow, this is some crazy stuff going on here. Um, and again, I just and I watched a lot during this period of time, but I don't really remember this this that much. I I, I just don't know why. Uh, all the other stuff we've been watching, I remember. So I don't know if I just didn't watch it uh, for a few months or what have you. I don't remember. But um, yeah, I just enjoyed the, the angle and the match. Again, Sam Houston's really over in Mid Atlantic. Sam Houston is good, man. He really. I mean, have we? I say that every time. Have we watched a bad Sam Houston match yet? I can't remember. We have. No, I don't think. Yeah. We've ever, no, he 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 really is uh, good in the ring. I just think he didn't have the um, he didn't have the persona basically, and uh, you know, as the '80s started moving on, uh, he didn't have the look that they were looking for. He didn't have the. Um, uh, I know I can't really say that because Barry Windham didn't really have a great physique either, and he was over. Let me tell you, watching him uh, championship wrestling from Florida, so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just uh, maybe it was just his mic skills weren't so great. Uh, that's why he didn't reach that next level. But um, you know, th- there was nothing bad about the match. It was just short. Um, it yeah. was more, it was more of an angle. I'd have to go three stars for the angle. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I actually would have liked a little more match with the angle, and it probably could have been even better. Kala, what do you think of this? Um, I I I quite liked it as well. Um, I can't help but think that. Um, Houston and Royal are about a ragtag team just thrown together, but they, they do work well. What about um, Houston and Kernodal? That might have been a good team. Well, uh, my, my next one is I don't understand why Houston's been, been punted job, into a tag team anyway. And it'd be jobbed out all the time. Makes no yeah. sense. So, yeah. But, like, you listen to how the crowd is, and they gave him the Mid Atlantic title for, what, a couple of weeks? Yes. Then they give it, they give it to Black Bart, who's been. AWOL since he won it. I mean, I don't get, I don't, I know the Mid Atlantic title's not really exactly high in the pecking order within the company, but give him something. Don't stick him in a tag team with um, Nelson Royal, who's, you know, gets get stuck into the hair dye in that one the last couple of weeks and and then um, and, and have him job out in a random thrown together tag team. I just, I just don't get it because the crowd are. Like really, really into. Um, I didn't like the James boys coming out again. They're trying to. I mean, they're trying to 
use up America's team as number one contenders. <laughs> um, try to jump them in the pecking order, but that that closing angle is just as 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 something. It's um, it's very very good. Um, so yeah, overall overall enjoyed it. A bit baffling um, with the whole Sam Houston thing, but the match itself was was was, was all right, and and the uh, the closing angle was very good. All right, what what did you rate it? Um, I rate, I wrote the uh, start again, Calm. I rated the match itself too. It was a it was a it was a decent enough TV match. Okay. And Schiff? Yeah, I I really enjoyed this. And I, I rated the match and the angle as just one thing because I felt like w- the way mm-hmm. it just bleeding over with, with that. I, I went three and a half uh, with that. And the, like like you guys said, the crowd was nuts for Sam Houston. And like he was actually, when he started off hot, like he was being ferocious with Midnight Express. And um, yeah, and like, you know, Crockett's putting over the James, the James boys and everything. And um. I love how like a uh, Cornette is uh, hit Nelson with the racket. Like I remember when I was a kid, I thought the tennis racket was like the worst thing in wrestling to hit someone with, and like because they they used it so wonderful. But I can't believe that they were going to kill Cornette. We almost saw like someone being murdered on TV, and mm-hmm. then we're supposed to cheer for them as the good guys. The eighties were a different time with that. Um, but you know, I I did love Dusty's promo at the end with just talking like um, like you know, and like I love Baby Doll. I I just loved it all. Like you know, you could definitely like we all know who it is, but it's just it's just amazing. And this is two weeks in a row. It's like I would I would went back to school on Monday and be like, did you see what happened on Saturday? They were gonna kill Cornette. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah. This is again a syndicated show. On on the weekend, and again, just another knock it out of the park uh, moment on worldwide wrestling. <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> so now we're going to jump to Saturday night, uh, the same weekend, uh, May tenth, nineteen eighty six, and we have <clears throat> Colin McDougal's favorite wrestler um, and Scott Shiflet's four star banger of a wrestler, Wahoo McDaniel, and he's out with Tony, and now he said, and Tony says, "There's another man involved in his issues with Jimmy Garvin, and it's the TV champion Arn Anderson." And I was like, "Well, where the fuck did that come from?" Wahoo says people like to look up to a champion, says people understand a man like Garvin who um, wants to pull his clothes off, <laughs> but a man like Arn, nothing would make me happier than to be the TV champion. Um, and then why Wahoo speaks, we go to a video of Wahoo in some jobber match, and Pressure, Precious comes out and distracts Wahoo, and then Garvin attacks him from behind, and then Arn then runs in, and both men attack Wahoo, says he doesn't know why Arn wants to stick his nose in it. Um, as we go back to the studio, it says he wanted the people to be proud of their champion because um, he doesn't have to jump anyone's back to beat him. Uh, man, his promos are such shit. Um, but it looks like they're setting up Wahoo and Arn for a TV title match. Um, Arn really hasn't had a proper feud, so I guess this makes sense. But Wahoo should not speak um, in general. And again, like people like Colin said, he probably shouldn't wrestle either. You know, this would be a great example for me of what you just said about Sam Houston. Why do we have him in a random tag team match? If Wahoo is already tied up with Garvin, why can't you transition Houston over to an Arn TV title feud based on the history they've had? They broke his arm. I mean, there's a lot of history there that they could really play up on it. Instead, they want to add Arn to what I just don't understand it. Colin, what'd you think of this? Um, yeah, I mean, that's my, that's my, my one main takeaway from this. Why is Arn getting involved with this bump? There's no need for it. He's got enough going on with um, the horsemen 
I surely can get involved with. I mean, he's he's been involved with Tully, and um, he's been involved with Tully and uh, Garvin. Um, if Ricky Morton's paired off with Ric Flair, why can't Robert Gibson be paired off with Ian Anderson? Exactly. Um, you mentioned Sam Houston as well. I don't understand why they keep putting Wahoo in these prominent positions. I understand that he's a he's a name, but it's the same. I, I imagine if the internet and Twitter was around at that point, this would be the equivalent of Bill Goldberg coming back every time the Saudi Crown Prince wants to have another match. He just keeps popping up when there's no need for it. And um, his promos are the worst. Like oh, he has no energy. It's the shits. It's just it's all it's all monotone. I am convinced. If you notice, he kept looking down. So I think he's getting notes on the table or on <laughs> on the desk. He kept looking down. He he was only up for ninety seconds and couldn't remember the couple of bullet points or the couple of lines that he wanted to hit. I mean, it was awful. After my last quote is this is totally unbelievably crap. It was <laughs> it was honestly it was pointless. It is a waste of Arn Anderson, and it is, it, yeah, it doesn't need to be. It only took up 90 seconds of a two-hour show, but you could have used that 90 seconds for somebody else. Utterly, utterly pointless. <laughs> All right, Chef, is this a four-star Wahoo promo? No, this was a dud-star Wahoo promo. Uh, you left out where he basically says he'll hit Precious as well. Um, like, he said he'll put his hands on her to that extent. Well, uh, that seems, well, that 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 seems on point considering there's already another male on female <laughs> angle going on right now. I guess. Yeah, but that man <laughs> on female, the man hitting the female is uh, a heel. So yeah. with this, like Wahoo's supposed to be the face, and you know he did put Arn over as a great champ, which I enjoyed, and you know he wants to be the TV champ, and you know that brings prestige to the title. But I'm really not. I kind of want to see Arn hit Wahoo with the gourd buster. So, Ooh, you might get your wish in that. Yeah, so I'm you hoping. You might get that. Uh, Dr. G, I assume you thought this was the shits, too. <laughs> it was. And, again, they did that a lot back then. And, and, you know, we see that a lot of, you know, like Dusty back then. They had the hands and different things. But usually those are pretty good feuds. But I didn't understand the whole Arn Anderson thing here. Yeah, I mean, Wahoo putting Arn over as a great champion, that was kind of cool. But, yeah, he just... Um, Wahoo just looked like he didn't he just again he was out there to collect the paycheck like he just didn't have any enthusiasm was not um, feel you know like uh, you don't feel the energy of like okay he's really upset this is the this is a feud he wants to be in it's just like okay I'm just getting my paycheck and going home and I I you know I, I was never a, a gigantic Wahoo fan but I thought he was better than this but this is this is horrible <laughs> to be honest yeah I, I here's what i think so arn if you really think about it we said in our last episode really hasn't had a proper really proper feud for the tv title i mean he had those bangers with ron garvin we talked about but he hasn't really done much since then so maybe this is their idea of hey let's get him some somewhat somebody and i'm i think this also does set, set up a tv title match between the two that we will see later on this month for may uh, but yeah i mean you got other choices like to your point you know, Colin brought it up. If, you know, Morton is busy on the other side with Flair, where's Robert Gibson? You know, it's like Sam Houston would be a great one. It's just doesn't make any sense. And just leave him with Garvin and let's just move on. Um, yeah, not good. Um, Wahoo continues to be unimpressive here. And uh, we're going to move on. So our next segment here is Bash 86 update. I'm sorry, the Bash 86 update. So we are a few months from the bass. So Stan, Tony's out with uh, Jim Crockett and Sandy Scott, who is the events coordinator. Uh, they said the excitement is building to bash 86. Jimmy says they have rented out some of the best buildings in the month of July. 
going to have the greatest part uh, going to have the greatest party for America. And then Sandy announced his first event will be in Philly July 1st and lists a bunch of other locations, um, a lot of stadiums. Tony announces country music guests like David Allen Coe, Waylon Jennings, and George uh, Jones. And to me, it sounds like the great American country bash to me. So more to come in the weeks to follow. So uh, anybody, Scott, any thoughts on Bash 86 coming up in a couple months? Yeah, I got a list of names, you know, list of uh, locations where they're going, like D.C., Memphis, Charlotte, Atlanta, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Charleston, Jacksonville, Richmond, Virginia, Fayetteville, Dallas, and Houston. So, like, yeah. you know, they're they're moving a little bit more on from, like, you know, the southeast, which were known, which they were known for. And uh, the concerts, uh, I'll take it or leave it. If I want to go to a concert, I go to a concert, not a wrestling show. But I put that uh, they have a uh, George Jones, like you said, aka No Show Jones. So I wonder if he actually showed up. And uh, Sean, was this the Great American Bash tour that you went to? Uh, no, mine was uh, no. I went to '88, the pay per view. Okay. But I, but '87, I did go to. Um, I went to a couple of '87 events uh, during the summer of '87, which we'll actually talk about on this pod at some point. But yeah, so. Back in the old days of the Capitol Center, I went to in DC. Okay. Yep. All right, uh, Colin. Any 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 else? Anything else to add on the '86 bash announcement? Yeah, I mean, the the, uh, the one thing that got me is the staggering amount of money they must have spanked on this, mm-hmm. because everywhere they go, other than the Greensboro Coliseum and possibly one other, it is all either NFL or college football stadiums. Yeah, and they're getting all these guys, all these all these singers to come. Now I've heard of David Allen Cole, so he must be he must have come with a with a fairly rather a fairly big paycheck. They must have spanked an absolute metric fuck ton of money on this, and it's and then people wonder why Jim Crockett Promotions had financial problems. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It probably started here. To your point, it's like Jesus, they're hitting all these stadiums, and I mean. Are they going to be able to fill these state? I mean, yeah, it's a crazy amount of money being spent here. Dr. G, final thoughts on this? Well, you know, I think it is a crazy amount of money that they spent on this. And again, I agree with you, Cal, and this is probably one of the reasons why they uh, went under. As much as they were called Jim Crockett Promotions, I don't know if they knew how to promote something like this. You ca- you could have made money in those days with with what they were doing, but they started going a little bit out of their territories. And that's when they started having a, a rough time. Uh, you know, you stay in within your territory, you were, they were doing okay. And, you know, I remember as a kid, like, listen, wow, they're going to be filling up, you know, because remember, re- wrestling really wasn't known for filling up stadiums. Like, I remember always hearing from my dad, the big Shea Stadium show with, with um, Bruno and Zabisco. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. And then, uh, you know, with uh, Chuck Wepner and, and Andre the Giant and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And, you know, I don't even think they even sold out that. They didn't even get, you know, they didn't even sell at that, the, the Shea Stadium. And that was, you know, WWWF's territory. So I was wondering, like, could they actually do this? And I guess they had some decent crowds in some of the places, but I don't know. I just think I think they uh, they got overzealous. I think they were really trying to compete with McMahon at the time. And then to bring in all these country acts and those are all big time. I mean, I'm not a, a country music uh, fan. My wife is. But those are all big names, especially George Jones. Um, so um, it was interesting to see. And I, I, I 
think they probably took a bath on that tour, to be honest. Well, yeah, between the stadiums and the country music, that can't be cheap. I mean, yeah, think about like you're, you're like Sean said, you're booking the stadiums, but you're also booking the talent for wrestlers, but you're also booking, you know, some mid, you know, some decent sized country stars in the mid '80s. So, yeah, I don't. They're getting too big for their britches, and that's why they go out of business in two years. And 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 screaming out that they're southern, by the way, which was always the knock against Crockett. It was too southern. So exactly. yeah. Well, here's the here's the here's the tour here. So it starts at so Philly, Veterans Stadium, Philadelphia, ten thousand nine hundred. Fair enough. Wow. RF, RFK Stadium in DC, six three. Liberty Bowl in Memphis. Now, I don't know how big the Liberty Bowl is, but I, I imagine it's not a small place. Nineteen hundred people. Jesus. Oh. Memorial Stadium in Charlotte, twenty three thousand. That's to be on un- that you could understand. Well, that. that makes sense. That's their home turf, right? Yeah. Yeah. Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, nine three thousand nine hundred. Oh. Gator wow. Bowl, ten thousand. Uh, uh, let's have a look. Um, I think that's all the I think that's all the stadiums that that they did. But they are they're spending so much money renting the oh Fulton County Stadium, Atlanta, twelve thousand. They're spending all this money renting these big football stadiums to get next to nobody in it. Yeah. That, yeah. You're right. That's, I mean, you could have done it in an arena because, yeah, I mean, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium was probably forty-five to 50000 I think uh, uh, Riverfront Stadium, same thing. So, I mean, to have those small crowds, that must have been really a horrible setting to watch a wrestling show. Well, in D.C., in D.C., even RFK Stadium, the Capitol Center was right near there, and that's more up their alley, and that's where they actually went to in 87, um, because I went to the Capitol Center for that event. So, yeah, I mean, if they had just kind of not tried to fly too high, and again, this is probably Dusty again, filling Crockett's head full of shit, but if they had stuck to the stadiums, or not, if they had done away with stadiums and stuck to the normal arenas through that fast tour, that kind of probably would have been a hell of a profitable tour and cut out the country bullshit, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, so we'll be obviously we'll be talking about that in the coming months. All right. So now we go to Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. They're with Tony after a squash match. Uh, Cornette uh, talks about a tape that played earlier from the match angle that we talked about from uh, when they were trying to drag Cornette uh, down the road. Um, He said he has written a letter to Bob Geigel, who he calls the Fred Mertz of the NWA. Uh, for those of you that don't know who Fred Mertz was, he was the husband of Lucille Ball's best friend on I Love Lucy. So, Schiff, I thought I'd have to educate you on that one. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. The Fred Mertz of the MWA to have last week's match uh, reversed. Uh, he demands Jim Crockett come out now to reverse the decision. Crockett out says he got a letter from Geigel and says the James Gang victory will stand unless Cornette can prove it was Dusty and T.A. Cornette says, how much evidence do you need? You can't hide those bodies under a burlap sack. Crockett states, as far as he's concerned, um, it was the James gang, and he walks off. Cornette says he sees the NWA won't do anything, so we will do it ourselves, taking those masks off and get someone with common sense to suspend America's team. Says he can whip Baby Doll any day of the week. So, again, just a little bit more, you know, a little bit more uh, log on the fire here. Colin, anything to add on this promo? Um, yes, one, one note. Um, this is so stupid, but Cornette is making it work. Okay. Um, is, is, and, and he's about to combust with another one. All right. Makes sense. Scott, anything to add? I, I just love you couldn't hide those bodies with the burlap sack line, a.k.a. he's talking about dusty, fat-ass roads. Correct. 
And Dr. G, anything else to add on that one? Yeah, I agree with you, Chip. And also, I like the fact that he says he's going to beat up, you know, he's going to, he could take baby doll. I mean, that's just, again, doesn't hold up well today, but it's just, it's so funny because it just makes him look like such a wimp, you know, like that's, that's the whole, uh, his whole character, you know, like uh, the wimp, oh, I could beat up a girl, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, I, I don't know, I just, I, I just, I'm entertained by him. Just I love when he comes on, when Flair comes on, when Arn comes on. You know, you're going to get a great promo. Yeah, I really, I you know what I love about Cornette in the last two episodes, a promo on a Kentucky Derby on our last episode. He always adds a little comical thing in there that you know is just so wrong, but you kind of get what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of those things, like we always say again, the best heels believe what they're saying. This guy actually believes everything he says. He thinks they're all pieces of shit. He thinks Baby Doll's a horse. He's a, that's why he's such a prick. He believes everything he says. So, mm-hmm. so a nice little nugget there. All right, so we'll close out Saturday night with um, Magnum TA and Nikita. So TA and Crockett are out with Tony. Uh, he ha- TA has a U.S. belt front and center. Uh, we hear next week we'll have an announcement about a signed contract to wrestle on TV. Between Magnum TA and Nikita, this has been going on a long time, so I wish they would just get it on TV and we quick watch in these arena matches. Uh, TA wants to remind Nikita he made all the stipulations and said he had a lot of pain like never before from his rushing chain matches, uh, but he's still standing. One thing he wants is Nikita to be a man and put your name on the contract. Tony says next week we'll have an announcement. Um, TA, as always, if you look at his head, looks beat to shit and scarred. Um, So even if we never saw those chain matches... Um, you sure did see him on his forehead. So, I mean, he's a really good kind of visual sell in that of what he's been through. Uh, later on, the Russians come out. Um, Ivan says he heard Crockett's statement, and next week the negotiations will continue for the U.S. title on TV. Says it's about time. Nikita said um, they have to meet their terms. Uh, they forced TA into, a, uh, into chain matches and devastated him around the U.S. We will headline the Bash 86, and Nikita will be the U.S. champion. And then Nikita gets into that mode where he starts gargling, and I can't. I can't imagine, I can't understand anything he says and says something about don't forget about Nikita. Um, so yeah, guys, sounds like there's some shit going down on our next episode um, with the U.S. title. I just wish the matches would be as good as the angle and we'd actually get some matches versus the house shows we've seen, which have been mostly shit. So Schiff, what did you think of these two promos to kind of sell? Maybe finally we're getting somewhere with the U.S. title on TV. Yeah, yeah Magnum's Magnum was looking rough, um, but I. I love that he said he signed it because this is. The, I will say they've been doing a slow burn with this, and Very. I and I, and I kind of like that. Um, you know, I, I love and I have Nikita insinuated that the Russians were going to change it somehow, but then he, he starts talking gobbledygook, and I can't figure out what the hell they were saying. And I know you guys have brought this up before, but I remember watching these and I was like, oh my god, these guys are really Russians, and no, they're just like. <clears throat> I don't know what they're doing, but it's I've, definitely I, not I've, Russian. Ivan I've, I've sells being a Russian pretty damn great, by the way. Ivan, I 100% believe he's Russian. I did the whole time. <laughs> I watched Crockett, to be honest with you. So, um, Dr. G, what did you think here? Yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> I agree with you, Shift. Like, the, the Russians, I mean... I think because now we know, I, I agree with you, Sean, as like when I was younger, I, I really, I really especially thought um, Ivan was, was uh, Russian. Um, obviously you could tell a little bit, Nikita was kind of trying, uh, trying to work out his, his accent a little well, bit. It's better than Khrushchev who'd come out and just sound like your typical 
white American baby face. Like he, like he didn't even try. Yeah, back exactly. He was like supposed to. So I guess what in mid south he was like the traitor. Yeah, yeah he's a sympathizer, and he yeah, yeah yeah. But still, it just cracks me up every time I think about it. Um, but Magnum TA, I love the visuals because you could see that he was definitely beat up. So again, selling. So if you're watching from home, I want to go see these two wrestle. Um, you know, and again, I think the angle itself, the way they're presenting it is probably better than their matches, or at least from what we've seen so far. But Nikita was so over because he was such a, you know, he was, they made him such a menacing heel that people wanted to see TA beat him. Um, so, I mean, he was, yes, he was very green, um, but people bought into it because of the way they created his character of being unstoppable and, um, and making T, you know, to, and sympathizing with TA. So, uh, good stuff. I, 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 I think Magnum, you know, we, we saw him grow during this whole time. And when he gets in those serious promos, he, um, you know, he's not one of those yellers and screamers. He's just kind of gets his point across, um, pretty straightforward and blunt and, and kind of, um, and also the visuals were really helpful uh, in this in this uh, instance. Yeah, and you know, so Scott brought on earlier said he this has been a slow burn. We are four months into this feud starting. This started like literally in January, and it's been a slow burn. Four months, four months. And the other thing is, we haven't really seen a match with them on TV at all. And so the anticipation of that, as someone who was watching Crockett at this time, was. I didn't know what was going on in the house shows. I didn't know their matches sucked wind. So hopefully by, so I guess I haven't, again, I don't remember watching the matches on TV. We'll actually watch them this time. Cause I don't remember a whole lot as a kid uh, because I think I came into it right when they were starting there. I think they were already going into, when I started watching it religiously, I think they were already given into their last match in the best of seven. So again, it's just interesting to hear this and the contrary to us seeing these house show, show, show matches, but if I'm just watching it on TV, I'm ready to see these guys go at it once and for all. Uh, Sean, who's watched the house show matches for the most part, has enjoyed the build a lot more than the matches. So I'm hoping these matches we are going to see coming up are the payoffs. So, Colin, what did you think of all this? I am. Um, I, th- I mean, I, th- I thought they were fine. I, um, I didn't think they were uh, not the greatest from from either man. Um, We've seen better from from both of them, in, in, in my in my humble opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was it was they did their job. They 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 were heating it up. Um, uh, the next bit, it's, it's good to see that we're going to finally get a bit of a get a bit of a payoff. Um, and, and we're going to see the we're going to see the match now because I, I mean, thinking I'm even thinking back to the the very start of the podcast. I don't even think we've seen them on opposite sides of the ring at all on Saturday night or. I mean, there might have been one six man potentially. Mm-hmm. There was a six man with what is he, Dusty and and Manny mm-hmm. against the Russians potentially, but that was that that was cut short. Um, so yeah, they've kept them away, kept them away nicely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it did it did exactly what it, it did exactly what it had to do, um, and it gets us to it gets us to to next week um, for the for the contracts, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. Absolutely. So that closes out uh, the May 10th watch. So some good stuff there. Some good stuff with the James gang continues. A shit Wahoo promo. The announcement of the bash. Cornette's still great. And then we got this stuff going on with U.S. titles. So some good stuff going on and getting thrown in the mix. 
So we're going to run right over and we're going to talk about the first part of May 17th and we'll cover the next uh, part of that on our next episode. We are going to Mid-Atlantic. And on our last episode, we talked about how they had a hot match on Worldwide between uh, Garvin and Blanchard. Well, on Mid-Atlantic, guys, we get Ric Flair versus Ricky Morton. So, um, yeah, at our last show, we saw the house show match we all love. So we'll see how this one goes with commentary to it. So what a main event. Again, and this is their secondary uh, syndicated show. It's not even their main one. Crowd is deafening. Um, as Flair is already in the ring, on, they're on their feet for Morton. This is a 90-minute time limit. Um, and Morton's face is still all messed up. The start is really lightning quick and fast-paced with Morton using his quickness and Flair selling every step of the way. Uh, just like the match we saw in the last episode, Flair's chops to Morton are awesome-looking, and Morton's the fiery baby face energy fighting back just is infectious with the crowd. Uh, match is very similar to what we watched also, and almost exact same formula in terms of these two and the match they wrestled. Um, announcing and a crowd energy makes all the difference. So it's kind of like what we said, with the, the announcing and crowd energy brings it. The energy level for this is great. Morton gets Flair in a figure four, but escapes to the ropes. Um, Arn is at ring uh, at ringside at this point. Uh, Gibson then comes out. Morton just picking Flair apart and cutting Flair off at every turn until Flair rakes his eyes. But Morton hits a flying clothesline and a backslide for two. Flair then scrapes his knee against Morton's head, which I love. Then he scrapes again his uh, face across the ropes. Morton blocks a throw into the post and hits a body press for two. Uh, Flair is absolutely losing his mind as he rubs Morton's face in the mat and rips the tape off his face. Then he rips at his face and chokes Morton and steps on his face while Arn's outside clapping. Time is running out on air. Flair continues to beat Morton and does a fantastic spot where he lifts Morton's legs up and wheelbarrows his face across the mat, which was freaking awesome. Um, just looks savage. And Flair laughing insanely with Glee was even better. We go off the air. So again, one of those matches go off the air. I did look up the result. Uh, Morton won this on a DQ and Arn interfered. Guys, listen, I don't care if it went off the air. I thought this was amazing. I thought it was good face and heel work. Flair was savage. The wheelbarrow across the freaking mat, I love. But we got 15 minutes, even with a commercial interruption. So give me more of these two. Um, I know we have at least one more coming at the bash, but I have no qualms about it because even though it was short, I got at least the freaking announcing in it. I went 3.75. That was a hell of a main event uh, with, without a televised finish, and it did the job for me of what more of these two. So, Dr. G, what did you think? I did the same as you did, Sean. Um, I really, really like like this. Again, now you know you got to take it in a content text. Yes, you, you wanted to see more of it. But, again, they were trying to sell, okay, come out and see these guys wrestle. No, this, this match got me into the arena 100%. I was there for this. This was awesome. Yeah, I mean – uh, the way Flair really played up the, you know, hurt, uh, working on his face and, you know, uh, rubbing his face against the ropes and doing that wheelbarrow move and doing, uh, you know, um, you know, just breaking, putting his face into the mat, taking the tape off. I mean, I love when you see the vicious Flair come out, you know, because you see a lot of the, the cowering heel gimmick that he does, which, you know, mm -hmm. is part of his thing. But when he gets that viciousness going at him, that's when he's at his best, I think. And, um, again, these two have a chemistry that's just, uh, oof, it, it's, un, it's really unmatched. I mean, I know that you could say, oh, yeah, he had a great chemistry with Steamboat, but I would say Ricky Morton's just as good because, again, the crowd was so into it. I mean, it was deafening at times. And then having the announcing just totally added to it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have to go with, the, you know, three and three-quarter stars on this. All right. Sounds good. Rick Steamboat. You know, well, well, yeah, if it were a little longer, maybe four. Yep. By the way, Rick Steamboat can kiss my ass. 
Kyle McDougall, what did you think of this match? Very harsh on Ricky Steamboat, to be fair. Sorry. <laughs> um, first, and first note, Earl Hebner is the ref, so you know, may not have been and, and you know, you're replacing one corrupt referee with another. Mm. Um a great fast paced start I've got, um but a bit repetitive at times because it seemed I, I didn't know if I had accidentally hit rewind uh, a couple of times because you got the thing where you got the, the sort of exchange where um, Morton would pin Flair, Flair would kick out and then he would roll out into the side headlock on the mat. And that happened like two or three times. I mean, I, I don't mind it happening a couple of times because it shows that, that Morton has, has Flair's number and he, he's on top. But, you know, when it gets to the, the fourth or fifth time, it starts getting a bit repetitive. Everything in this was very, very smooth. Um, I, excuse me, I thought it was a very, I thought it was a fine match, um, especially, again, especially for um, free TV Um we're looking at, um, excuse me, a, a couple, of, a couple of really good TV matches in the last couple of weeks. Um, so we're really, really lucky with that. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as the house show match. I put, I put the house show match slightly ahead of it, um, which means that this one gets a, a stellar three point two five for me. Um, just because I think that the, the the house show match kept my attention a wee bit more, and I think it just had a wee bit. A wee bit more in it um, for me. Although I do get your point that the, have this one having commentary um, made the made this one uh, a, a, a bit a bit better as well. I preferred this. Always always prefer match seven commentary, but the the house show match itself was just that we that we tiny bit better for me. Yeah, three point two five is fair. I mean, I, I mean, again, anywhere in that range over three, like Doctor G said, you got yourself a banger. So, uh, Scott. What did you think? Four stars? Shiflet? Was this better than Magnum TA versus Wahoo McDaniel? I, I don't need this. That was <laughs> uh The answer is yes, it was, but go ahead. I went slightly lower than mm. I did in the previous episode. Um, it's just because of the non-finish. Like, I know it was part of, like, trying to get people to go, you know, see the action live, but this was, like, so awesome. Like, Flair was just... He was so maniacal the way he was every every chance he could. He was like figuratively and literally rubbing uh, Morton's face into anything he could to make it like to open up, you know, the um, the damage they have done. I love the, the partners coming down with Arn coming down that Robert Gibson coming down as the second as well. Um, I really wanted to see the end of it. Sadly, that wasn't the case. And knowing uh, JCP, they probably threw away the tape that had they they stopped rolling then or threw away the tape. But um, it was a uh, shift. It was a DQ ending, so that would have pissed you off anyway. So very true. Yeah, very true. But I just feel like we were robbed of like I don't know twenty more minutes of of greatness. Got to get him into the arenas, dude. I know. <laughs> I would have been there. I've been there, hook, line, and sinker. So what did you rate the match? I went three and three quarters. All right. So that's fair. So, yeah, again, so, I mean, listen, we can't complain. In the last two episodes, we've had two banger matches between Flair and Morton. So it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. Can't wait till we get to the match in July that so we can talk about it there. I'm not sure if that one has commentary either. Um, if I remember the network when they had it, it didn't. So we'll see. But I don't think we have to worry about that till July. But, yeah, definitely loving this feud. And unlike the Bikita and Magnum feud, I've been enjoying the matches and their interactions a lot more. All right. 
So let's head over to Worldwide Wrestling, and this will close out uh, our first half of uh, May 17th, and then we'll talk about our Territory Spotlight match. Once again, Wahoo McDaniel, four-star Wahoo and Colin McDougal's favorite wrestler. Now he's teaming with Sam Houston, who has now moved away from Nelson Royal, and they are taking on Tully Blanchard and Jimmy Garvin, which... You know, first one I made here is weird, as we just saw earlier, Arn was getting involved with Jimmy and Wahoo, so totally feels totally random, and so does Houston as Wahoo's partner. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, again, another perceived pretty good main event on a syndicated show, um, and again, on May 17th weekend, we got two, one, uh, just two really good solid main events. So JJ's on commentary as Wahoo is tossing the heels and chopping them back and forth. Uh, I like J.J. bringing up Tully and Wahoo's history together as partners. So in 1984, um, Wahoo, Wahoo turned heel and him and Tully were considered a tag team. So I was liking that history lesson there. J.J. also claims he introduced Precious to Garvin, which was pretty random. Um, another another hot crowd uh, for everything Wahoo does. Wahoo works Tully's arm. Garvin in and Tully knees Wahoo in the back as he comes off the rope for a shoulder block. Garvin actually hits some nice overhand shots, but Wahoo takes him down with one to um to Wahoo takes him down with one. Heels work over Houston as um he ta- as he's tagged in, but he does some quick map maneuvers always, and he's just like Sam is just so quick. Um and then he tags Wahoo, then there's a chop fest to Tolly, some fantastic fire from Wahoo. Now fantastic might be stretching it. I thought Wahoo did show a little bit of fire. Uh, Tolly beats on a wound to Wahoo's head to get the upper hand. The crowd is chanting very loud for Wahoo. Uh, heels take turns working him over and keeping him away from Houston. Wahoo, I thought, was good as a face in peril for a change. And Garvin and Tully are a great heel team taunting Houston, so he would run in. And every time he would run in, they would double-team uh, Wahoo. Uh, Wahoo finally tags, but Houston gets cut down by Blanchard pretty quick. The heels t- t- take turns picking Sam apart. Um, Tully, at this point, was limping, so it looked like he had tweaked something. Uh, Tully f- hits a really great-looking hot shot on Houston into a, su- uh, supl- a slingshot suplex for three. The Wahoo's Wahoo runs in, but heals over power. And Garvin brain busters freaking Wahoo on the concrete, and the faces um, run out to check on Wahoo. All right, guys, this might be my shit take of the night. I thought this was another awesome 15-minute match, and maybe my favorite Wahoo match I have ever watched, even on top of the flair Wahoo match that I famously got shit for. The angle at the end was simple and done well. Uh, the brain buster on the concrete was amazing. Sam Houston is a damn shame. He chose, you know, it's just a damn shame that Sam Houston um, chose the wrong head to use when he with the baby dog because the crowd loved him. And I could have seen him as Barry Wyndham type of star to come along. So, again, never seen a bad Houston match. But, unfortunately, you know, he usually will end up taking a loss with few random wins. Um, on 3.25, I <laughs> really, really, I, dude, I love this no. match. No, I love, I love this fucking match. The Jesus. angle, the match, I, you guys are fucking crazy. This match was good. Dr. G, I'll go to you first. And Sip our, or Colin's already shitting on it. I love this match. I don't care what you say. I I went uh, two and three quarters. I, I thought it was okay. I mean, for, for, for a Wahoo match. I mean, I remember Wahoo wasn't by himself. I thought, you know, Houston. Sam Houston is a freaking awesome in this. Take Wahoo out of it. He yeah. is. Yeah. And and Blanchard and Garvin, I, I love the end with the brain buster with uh, for Wahoo. Come on, you have well, to enjoy that. I figured you get some. Well, and the hot shot with the slingshot suplex after was freaking awesome. It, it is. That's a great move. I I love that move actually. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it wasn't anything. I mean, I I I I can't see anybody going much lower than that. 
to be honest. But apparently, uh, Column's going to. <laughs> I mean, just because Wahoo is in there, I mean, if it was Wahoo alone, yeah, we probably wouldn't be rating it this high. But but uh, Houston, you know, was a great partner for him to 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 take most of the shit and do most of the shit out there. So um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Two two and two and three quarters for me. <laughs> I'm gonna say best for last shift. I assume you hated this too. I guess. I went, I went two and a quarter. Dude, this match is so much better than his match with TA. I don't understand. You, you're high. No, um, you're fucking high. You're out of your mind. <laughs> I, I I'm fucking, say, I'm fucking in. You're fucking out. <laughs> okay, Kenny Powers. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. um, <laughs> um, I love JJ saying off the top that Wahoo and Tully were partners. It, it's just a small little thing. Like if you've been on this ride for many years. Like, we're like, hey, we love that you're here. Here's some continuity. Like, we bring it back. Like, it's not even that big of a thing. It's just a throwaway line. But I, I enjoy those things like that. Tully was bumping around like crazy. Um, when Sam was in, it was good. And, I, you know, um, Tully was making Wahoo look like a million bucks with his selling because we know. Correct. He was. Yes. Um, I love Tully going to the wrong corner. I, I, I love that trope in tag team matches. And then um, Tully dropping Sam on the ropes throat first and hitting the slingshot was awesome. But, yeah, uh, I, went, I went two and a quarter. I really love how you said this was awesome, this was awesome, this is awesome, and you only went two and a quarter. All right. Tom, go ahead. Shit all over it and be wrong. It's fine. I'm, honestly, I must have watched a different match to you guys because – yeah, what match did you watch? <laughs> I did. I, oh man, I didn't like that. I didn't think this was that good at all. Wow. But watching Wahoo McDaniel is like watching a match in slow motion. <laughs> like every everything he sold, it was like everything so ponderous. And like if he went down, if he like every time he had to take a bump, he went down to one knee first, and then he fell over like a fucking. Colin, he got brain busted on the damn concrete. It, it doesn't like. This was a 15-minute match, right? Or, or there, thereabouts. He had 12 and a half minutes of it. The 12 and a half minutes of fucking slow motion before that negates any good. But it was 12 and a half good. minutes of the heels beating the shit out of him. Yeah, but like it's okay with the, the heels beating the shit out of him. But see, when he goes down in fucking slow motion, there's no point to it. <laughs> like, uh, you're so Garvin, Garvin sold Wahoo's chops like it was death, which is, which is far more than it ever deserved. I don't understand why this is going back to my point earlier on that Sam Houston is wasted in shite tag team matches like this when he could be doing so much better than being landed with that this bum as a fucking makeshift tag team partner. Tully sticks out like a sore thumb in this because he's not involved with any of the other three guys and uh, Jimmy Garvin's just come into this this um, promotion and he's been wasted in this meaningless feud with Wahoo McDaniel. This was utterly, utterly pointless. I've given it one and a half stars. What I did not enjoy fu- this what at the all. Fuck, man, I really? Not, I did not enjoy this at all. I, I was like, oh, I, like, man. This is, that, that, I was watching this going, this is such a waste of Colum, everyone Colum, in this Colum, match. Colum. I, I appreciate your disdain for Wahoo, but I, I'm just, <laughs> this is not being a dick, I promise. You have really <laughs> let your hate for Wahoo really take you out of this match. This match was no, really good. No. No, I didn't. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. I think I, like everyone was. This was a waste of everyone involved in this match. See, I guess Ooh. I'm of the thought that Houston was good and Garvin and Tully were good. They made Wahoo look good, and I thought the finish 
was good. And I thought the Wahoo freaking eating shit on the concrete at the end looked pretty like Gar- the fact that Garvinek got that big dude up on that concrete for that brain buster. That was super impressive, man. How do you not be impressed by that? I was impressed I by it, but uh, yeah, but it came at the end. It came in like four minute fourteen and a half of fifteen <laughs> of absolute oh, oh, the, like the dregs of professional wrestling before it. Ooh. Oh, I got He's nothing. E, I got nothing. I, I'm going to move on because I, there's no point in debating it anymore. I liked it. I think Schiff was. I thought Schiff was low on his, but you take the cake. But we'll move on. I can't wait. I can't wait for us to talk more Wahoo on this podcast because he's always going to add. I was going to add some interesting elements for sure. So, I'll give I, him his. I'll give him his credit where it's due and when 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 it's due. But that, I, no, I didn't. I, 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 don't, I didn't I don't, see it in this. I one. don't. This is like my best Wahoo match I think I've seen. I don't get. I don't get it. This wasn't. This wasn't as good as. This wasn't as good as the Harley brawl because the the brawl. Oh I had no the no. Harley okay, was, I, I forgot about the Harley yeah, one. Yeah, I mean the Harley, the Harley brawl. Like, see if he's doing that and he's brawling with somebody, he's actually all right. And there has been times where I've given him, he's, I've given him his props, and and he has creeped up to the into the two territory. Sometimes the high two, but this one was just awful. Hey, I'm glad you weren't on the episode that where we talked about Wahoo versus the beers. I think you probably would have freaking punched your computer. Oh my god, he lost his mind. I, me going off on Dave Meltzer and he going off on Wahoo tonight. Woo. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't. I'm glad I wasn't on the last one when Chef gave my fucking four star. Because I, oh, no, I would have just, no. I would have just logged off. At that between between That's Wahoo, what like. between Wahoo versus the beers and the four star Wahoo TA, you probably might have quit the podcast. I think that might have been that might have been it for you. Wow, I'm stunned by this match, but I guess we're gonna end uh, the first half of May 17th controversially. So, um, wow, good note to end on that. All right, so now we're gonna move to our territory spotlight. I gotta get my brothers around me. Um, we're going to go to the WWF, and we're going to go to primetime. This is from May 12th, 1986. It's from the Joe Louis Arena. I have a feeling I might eat a little shit on this match, too, but we'll see. Uh, it is the Killer Bees uh, versus Sheik and Volkov. Um, Brunzel's arm is wrapped up from injury. Uh, Sheik's muscularity, even with his beer gut, was always an enigma to me. Like I didn't understand how like strong and muscular he was because he always had that beer gut, so it's always an enigma, even when he was in Mid-South and he'd do those damn freaking clubs that he would do his strength was just impressive but that gut um there's mat work to start between blair and Sheik, which i thought was decent and surprising as Sheik seemed to keep up speed wise uh brunzel works Sheik's leg with some good looking knees to the hamstrings brunzel gets a figure four but broken up by a, a volkov stomp faces get a few pin attempts in but the heels on the outside always distract the refs so uh, no falls ever counted uh, there's a guy at ringside waving a flag who is giving some love by the announcers there's a bear hug to Brunzel by Volkov. Gorilla in studio coming back from commercial says Sheik and Volkov have looked very lethargic. I will agree with him on Volkov for sure. But um, Gorilla's honesty during commentary always cracks me up because if you watch some of these prime times and these old house shows, he has no problem talking about if someone's fat, they're lethargic. He just doesn't give a shit. Um, so as we get back in, Blair tags um, after Brunzel escapes the bear hug. Nice atomic drop to Volkov gets hit and back by Sheik off the ropes. And goes for a body slam on Volkov, who falls on top of him. Uh, Sheik gets in and beats up Blair and gives the crowd the sho- um, shove it up your ass arm visual. Sheik gets a camel clutch and then Brunzel breaks it up. Blair reverses a th- suplex and gets a tag to Brunzel, who takes on both heels. He hits a big backdrop and Sheik and um, spit on him, it looked like, which, you know, was not very baby faceish. Uh, Volkov's back in and Blair runs at him. Ref pushes uh, Blair back. Volkov gets an axe handle off the second rope to Brunzel and Sheik gets the three. Um, 
honestly, um, for me, Sheik and Volkov matches tend to suck because most of them do, um, especially here in 86, where they are clearly starting to be used as kind of those enhancement team kind of guys. But I didn't actually hate this. Uh, Volkov absolutely sucks. But I thought Sheik uh, took some good offense for the Bees, and the Bees looked good to me. But I always hated their gimmick, though, and their freaking tights sucked. So I went two and a quarter on it. I thought it was pretty decent, um, especially for Sheik and Volkov, who I really tend to hate as a team. Dr. G, I'll go to you first. What do you think? Um, I, I went two stars on it. You know, I was, that's fair. I mean, um, I, the killer bees were entertaining. I agree the the, the tights were a little annoying, but, uh, um, Volkov, yeah, Volkov definitely at this point, he just didn't really have much, uh, Shiki, uh, Shiki did a lot of the work. I mean, you got to respect Shiki's work in the ring at times. I mean, yeah, as he got older, it was a little rough, but. Um, he's still he's still pretty decent at this point. Uh, again, just just a um, one of those you know where you get a, a, a semi main event on TV. Um, nothing offensive, but nothing too great. So to me, just an average rating too. All right, and that's fair. And again, I went two and a quarter column. Did you like this one better or no? That was fine, I suppose. I am. I wrote Koloff when I was doing my notes. You know, <laughs> ha- hashtag, hashtag not my Russian. Um, I also noticed that the size of the monitors on the commentary table were rather excessive. Um, it would have been easier watching the ring, but you couldn't see over the monitors, so they, they, they took that out of them. Um, very uh, AWA heavy match, given the, the, the people involved and Sheik. And, uh, it is very AWA style match. You are correct. But she, uh, given the people involved, it's not in, not entirely surprising. Um, I went one point seven five stars. It was that was that was fine. Okay, all right, and Schiff, close it this out. Shit, this shit sucked. <laughs> like, are we seeing this right now? Man. Are you kidding me? Like this was bad. God, like, Schiff, your freaking guardrail to guardrail on matches is fucking. I mean, Jesus Christ. Go ahead. Like, Sheik sucks. Volkov was done by this time, and the Killer Bees couldn't do it. They had a bear hug of Doom spot where I was literally thinking about my life's choices that led me to watching this match. Um, and, you know, and Sheik didn't humble Brian Blair like he says he was right there. So, none of that. Um, and then we got a crappy axe handle and Brunzel, and that's it. All right. A star and a quarter. Like, it. Eh. <laughs> That's what I feel like watching that match. Man, we've like, had some, we've had some takes on the last two episodes of this show. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Go ahead. You done? <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> wow. All right. So I guess I guess uh, to end our watch here of <laughs> this episode, uh, Doctor G, I feel like we had pretty decent matches, and column ranges from absolute shit to somewhat decent, and uh, shift. You hated both, right? Both matches. Yes. Yeah. So, Dr. G, I don't know. Maybe we're just old and we have more tolerance for shit. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I wouldn't. But they were obviously four-star matches, and that's how we rated them. But, I mean, it wasn't anything that I was like. I mean, we've seen some bad. Was that Colonel De Beers? And, uh, that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> that was bad. So, all right, so that ends this episode of NWA Crack and Roll. And again, closing it on a on a really interesting note. 
So on our next episode, guys, um, you'll be happy to learn that we will finally get Aaron Anderson versus Wahoo McDaniel for the TV title. How do you feel about that, Column? I feel like I won't be here. You feel like you won't be here. Okay. All right. Um, I am also happy to announce we get another TV title match between Arn Anderson and Hector Guerrero. What do you think about that one? Mailed improvement. <laughs> God, Cal. All right, Colin. How about a tag team match between Ric Flair and Arn Anderson versus the Italian Stallion and Kernodal? That has possibility. That has possibilities. It has the Italian Stallion in it as well. But it has, but it has Kernodal, Arn, and Flair. But it has the Italian Stallion. All right, so hopefully, hopefully, Colin will join us for. <laughs> hopefully, Colin will join us for our next episode. But anyway, uh, Doctor G, anything you'd like to plug? I can't do this anymore. <laughs> uh, I would. <laughs> yes, I'd like to plug uh, this NWA Saturday special where we cover the current NWA. Uh, speaking uh, of something, speaking of something, I can't do anymore. <laughs> NWA. I guess. Yes. And uh, I co-host the show uh, NWA Saturday Special with uh, the Podfather Scott Criscolo. It drops usually every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, have your coffee, listen to us, and we'll break everything down. And uh, hopefully, hopefully for Sean's sake, the uh, storylines will get better, especially the one with uh, NWA World Champion Trevor Murdoch. Hopefully, that won't be the case soon, so we can so you can be happy, and all could be happy in your world again, right? Sounds great. I, you know what? I just realized because of the ending, I just we didn't do the end of show awards, and I'm just gonna say fuck it because I pretty much know what all the awards are gonna be after going through this episode. Call them, go to you next. What do you got to plug? <laughs> um, I I have got to plug the um, the Police Nation live streaming services. Um, first and foremost, or, or first up this time, Twitch.tv forward slash Police Nation. Um, yeah, Police Nation, all one word on YouTube, Facebook.com forward slash PTBN live, and at PTBN YouTube on Twitter. Yes, I have not managed to follow through on my threat of making them all the one tag name. Um. The special relations uh, is coming back very soon. Um, we have been on hiatus after Mr. McNamara has um, uh, been bringing up a, a mini podcast legend. Um, and by the time you'll hear this, um, I will have been uh, unveiled as the new upgraded host of Wrestling's Chicken. Wait, wait, wait. Very, very. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say upgraded? Upgraded, upgraded, oh. Oh. Uh, new host of Wrestling Chicken Salad. I, I see, upgraded, huh? Upgraded, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, it, you know, hundred percent more Scottish, hundred percent less shit takes. But Colin, yeah, I was gonna say, Colin. I mean, you have to bear in mind the show you're on, so the shit takes on that show tend to be something that has to happen. So you can't upgrade. I, it's hard to upgrade a shit take when it's me doing it. You know that. <laughs> The fact that there's going to be severely less is an upgrade. I feel okay. Fine. Man, Col- Collins is brutal. This today, he's just brutal. This is, I mean, I'm, I'm one, I'm that brutal. I'm one stop shop, one stop <laughs> short of them um, comparing you to Sea Biscuit like Jim Cornette. <laughs> You're so <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> wow, Scott, <laughs> top that one. <laughs> I, I don't think I can. That was that was brutal right there. Yeah, um, very mean, very mean spirited Scotsman tonight. Yeah, you can uh, find me on YouTube Roulette, um, which is with Sean. 
uh, Logan and uh, Jake and, and Matt Souza, where it's like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, going on with uh, where we watch wrestling matches. I nearly killed Sean and the podcast a couple months ago when I chose a Jeff Jarrett versus Jerry Lawler match from 20, uh, 2012. Which, yeah, you guys want to speak of a match that'll fucking put you through the ringer. You should watch that one and then you'll see how you feel about Wahoo. From 2012? <laughs> yeah, yes. Good Lord. Yes. That's, that's post-heart attack. Column, column, column. The worst match I've seen in my entire life. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you can uh, find me on uh, Pop Goes to the to the uh, Couch as well. We, we are busy as Marvel and Star Wars is trying to uh, kill me, Sean, Tim, and Andy uh, with all the great stuff they're releasing. Also, Stranger Things and The Boys. And I can be found on Twitter at Scott underscore Shiplet. All right. Um, as for me, by the way, I feel like Colin McDougal has like gone full heel. Tra- like, I think he's turned heel this podcast. I know we thought it was going to be me. But yeah, it's Colin. Like yeah, Col- Colin going full heel, freaking talking about upgrading, and really feel a little disrespected, man. I was a little mean. I don't know, Colin. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. <laughs> I, I, I finally pissed him off to the point of where he just said, fuck you, Sean, kid. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. This is where we are now. That's amazing. I think it's great. Um, I still love you, Colin. You're still my favorite Scotsman. Well, well out, of, out, of the, out of the six million of us that are, that's quite, that's, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you're the only one I know, too, but that's just the way. Well, I'm, you know. Yeah, yeah, my favorite. Anyway, uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at NWA Crack and Roll. And uh, that's it. Uh, thanks for joining this very interesting <laughs> interesting episode of NWA Crack and Roll. My hope is Colin will rejoin us next month. And, uh, you know what? I feel like he's trying. I feel like Colin went. Hey, Dr. G, I feel like Colin went like that. Whatever that great value doctor was on that other NWA pod. I feel like Colin just pulled that kind of heel turn on me. Yeah, he's healing out tonight. This is a, this is a new side here. Oof. It is, man. It is. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks as always for joining me, and uh, we will we will see everybody in two weeks where we start we talk about May part three. Uh, have a good <laughs> see everybody then. Yeah.